Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Hey, thanks so much for being here for the first time or for returning and listening. Also, thank you to all of the newsletter subscribers. You too could be a newsletter subscriber. And when I say you too, yes, I mean Bono the Edge, Adam Clayton, and Larry Mullen Sr. son. But I also mean you, the listener. Well, maybe you too is listening, but you, whoever you are, you can subscribe to this free weekly newsletter done in the same vein as this podcast to help you find your inspiration. And I've gotten a lot of really great feedback from people about how they've been inspired or they learned something new. And that's great. That's exactly what I want to hear because that's why I made the newsletter. And we're in the penultimate week of our launch book giveaway. We have two more books to give. And next week, we are giving away Joe Toplin's comedy writing for Late Night Book, and he's going to sign it. So if you want a chance to win those books, subscribe to the newsletter now. Next week is your last chance to win one of the books. Today's episode is with Bro of the Show. It's our third time doing the Pop Talk episode, his second time being on. The second time we did a Pop Talk episode, an episode about pop culture, is with best friends of the show, and one of them, Rob, is having a birthday today. So... Happy birthday, Rob. Well, let's get right to it. Here's my chat with bro of the show, Trey. Thanks for being here. <laughs> being another Pop Talk episode. <laughs> You're actually calling it that in the podcast? Yes. <laughs> pop Talk. <laughs> Talking all that pop. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a second meaning just to us, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just a little fun thing for me that I wasn't going to tell anybody. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, it's just a, for the listeners, I'm never going to explain it on air. <laughs> just an old, uh, going back to childhood, just uh, a joke, an in-joke with me and Trey. Um, but uh, I'm glad you're here to talk about this, to uh, join us again for, for, this is the third Pop Talk episode. So um, this first topic that we're going to address was something that happened recently, and it was that, uh, well, for one, a bunch of music dropped. Um, and we won't have to go into that in the detail, because uh, I know music isn't something that you generally talk a lot about, but... Uh, that'd be a good one for Jim and Rob, <laughs> but uh, uh, Death Cab for Cutie dropped a new EP on Friday. John Mayer dropped a new single and music video on Friday. Um, the Highway, the High Women, who are kind of they're the country uh, artists who you know like th- that old group of uh, men in country, the Highwaymen. Uh, this is the High Women, and they're great. Um, they're really awesome and they have some new stuff out, uh, or their first thing out and, uh, a lot of cool stuff going on, but there is this story that happened with Nicki Minaj 
Nicki Minaj recently tweeted and then deleted that tweet that she was retiring. And she just said, this was like Thursday afternoon, I've decided to retire, have my family. And I I don't know what else was said uh, because the reports I've seen don't have any information other than that. And as I said, the tweet is deleted, so I can't see it. But this upset her fans, uh, the Barb's, as they're called, and for those who don't know, that's basically like the Deadheads to the Grateful Dead, uh, are, are the Barb's to Nicki Minaj. So just her diehard fans were super upset uh, about this, and she even admitted in responding to people that the tweet was a- abrupt and insensitive, and she ap- apologized on that, but. She didn't clarify on Friday what she meant. She did say that she was going to go on Queen Radio to discuss it. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think it shows the social media age that we're in and the entitlement that fans have. Because, you know, Hmm. I understand everybody who's a fan of somebody, you're going to be disappointed if they're saying, I'm done. But the, the kind of hate and vitriol and reaction that came from that tweet uh, seems a tad overboard. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I can understand if Nikki was feeling in the moment that this is what she thinks is the right thing to say. Uh, You know, she's ready to hang it up, I guess. And maybe she's ready to hang it up. Or maybe Mm -hmm. she was just trying to get uh, media attention. I don't know which it is yet. We'll find out in the next few days, I guess, or when she addresses it on her show. But, um, you know, hate, uh, there's just too much hate or or too much overreaction in these kinds of things. Lover, yes. Want her to still be performing, yes. But I don't know about all that. Yeah. (laughs) In uh, their tweet responses. I get that, too. And I do think that's, I mean, I don't want to blame social media for this sort of stuff happening because ultimately it's people doing this stuff, right? You know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's behavior that people have done offline since forever. Um, (laughs) this is, this isn't really new behavior. It's just that we're hearing it all now because people can have their knee jerk reactions on Twitter, not just with their friends around the lunch table at school. And, um, you know, and when, we could sort of figure that stuff out in private when we say, you know, outlandish things or get too angry. I know when I was a teenager, there were things I said that were like way stupid and over the top. A lot of it I've forgotten, but some of the things that I do remember, I could say, oh, that was ridiculous. And and hopefully people grow out of it. Where I see an issue these days is that it doesn't seem like people are growing out of it as fast because, you know, people put this on kids and and, and uh, the you you know the the new this generation people always want to say, but I mean I'm seeing thirty somethings do stuff like this and forty somethings do stuff like this. When I was a teenager, I would see a dumb adults as well, but I would also see adults that sort of grew up and grew out of that sort of bad behavior or just like we, childish immature behavior is a better word than bad, but. It's, uh, you know, it's something that I don't know how we can really navigate through it because it's normal to have a gut knee-jerk reaction. 
it's not great that it's public and that it can end up in the New York Times <laughs> or something that millions of people are reading um, because it doesn't really teach the right sort of response. And then everyone is everyone in the entertainment industry is sort of bending to that response. And that, I don't know, is good. You know, I mean, like you take the Sonic the Hedgehog movie as an example. I'm still very interested to see how it's going to turn out. Maybe it won't turn out this way. But a lot of people I thought were being really silly about complaining about the way Sonic looked. It's like, why is this something you care that much about? Uh, it's It seemed awfully silly to me that people made such a big stink out of it. They made such a stink out of it that the studio is redesigning it as we speak. They pushed the movie back several months into the next year. And is it going to pay off? I'm doubtful. And that sort of stuff, that's kind of how Nicki Minaj is responding to a certain degree, where she's deleting tweets and saying, okay, you know, I'm going to talk about this. Do we really need to engage the silly and mature stuff? Right. I don't think we do. And I think it, part of it goes back to something you said a, a moment ago about how folks aren't growing out of that stuff as quickly. I, that's where I put it on social media a little bit is, mm -hmm. one, people aren't taking a second. Your favorite George Clooney quote about... Uh, uh, 15 well, minutes in a thought process and you wouldn't right. have sent that tweet. Yeah. Right. And, and using Herm Edwards, you know, Herm Edwards has a version where he just says, don't hit send. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, people aren't thinking through it. And I feel like in this age, people feel entitled to say the crazy thing and, and to dig in, like they dig in once it's out there Yeah. after the process, after the thought process, rather than realizing that that was maybe ill-timed or ill-worded or, or even not well thought out, they instead decide to double down on it. Yeah. And and that's the issue. That, that is I so see. bad. And I, and I see, sometimes I see the people who have the immature reaction to things doubling down. And sometimes I see the person who offended doubling down. And it's, and it's weird. It's kind of like uh, people complaining about cancel culture or the stuff that we're complaining about. So it's just they're bad examples that people will use, at, you know, or, or they throw out the truth that people can make up stuff online and they use it at times when people aren't making up stuff or they aren't they aren't actually wrong. I think there was a, a year or so ago, someone who previously won uh, Last Comic Standing, Eliza Schlesinger, got hit pretty hard because she was making some jokes. She was making a comment uh, about jokes in an interview where she said, all the women are just making jokes about vaginas. And all the women I see at this club, this big club in L.A., I can't remember if it was Laugh Factory or Comedy Store, I'm not sure. But she was saying, like, all I ever see are women doing that. And people, a bunch of women, some famous, some not, comedians were all saying, hey, that's ridiculous of you to say. And there are some up-and-coming comics or, or comics who or maybe just open micers who were saying stuff to her online on Twitter saying, well, think about your platform and, you know, you have all these people listening to you 
And she, instead of sort of listening to the substance of their anger, her response was, oh, I hate it when people talk about your platform, your platform this, your platform that. It is actually kind of annoying when people throw out the whole, your platform, think about your platform. That is kind of annoying. This wasn't a time for you to make that argument, though. You were actually wrong about what you said. Address that. Like, people don't want to address things at the opportune times, and it's actually kind of annoying. Um, I think with the to go back to the Nicki Minaj thing and then end that, but I feel like Nicki Minaj or her team should have thought, well, if you're going to announce your retirement, shouldn't you release that announcement in a thoughtful way? It, it's, it, you know, I'm not saying that she was being insensitive to people like, you know, she said insensitive. I don't necessarily think it's insensitive, but it was also just not the right way to announce something like that. Yeah, I, I agree that it's not insensitive, but it's not like part of what she's supposed to be doing if she wants people to buy this album that hasn't been released yet mm-hmm. is, is, is to market it in the right way. And that includes how she announces her retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you talk about her team, the way that she sent the tweet out, I don't think her team had any idea <laughs> that she was going to send that tweet out. It seems like, again, yeah. it's just the hit send without the, the thought process. Right. Right, right. I think this is a, a case where maybe she and some of the fans could have taken 15 minutes in a thought process and maybe it would have gone a little better. Um, mm-hmm. That's the... Nicki Minaj story that's uh, that was out. But uh, here's the next topic that I want to talk about. And it's something that you recently discovered. <laughs> it's Red Letter Media. Now, some people maybe don't know about Red Letter Media, but they may have heard about these things called Plinket Reviews of the Star Wars prequels. They were legendary. <laughs> they, they, they were... <laughs> Over 10 years ago, I believe, is when those were coming out. And uh, I'm pretty sure I was, I feel like I was in Greenville working as a traffic reporter when I first heard of them. But it may not be that long ago because I would have been ages ago. Um, But nevertheless, like maybe you've heard of that, these Plinkett reviews of, of episode one and two and three. And they're hilarious. And I knew about them a long, long time ago. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> Wasn't actually trying to go to a long, long time ago thing. Um, in the galaxy, in the galaxy far, far away. away, right? But um, you recently came across. What was the first thing you saw? I think it was something related to Star Trek Discovery. Okay, first thing I saw. So I, uh, my YouTube, of course, started figuring out what kinds of things I look at, <laughs> and it suggested. <laughs> Hey, uh, Mike and Rich talk about Star Trek Discovery Season 2. And so I watched it, and we're pretty much simpatico in describing Season 2 in terms of the the way that they just made science fiction stuff up. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to say about Star Trek Discovery. But it was what I liked about it, about what Mike and Rich did, is that they were being honest. They They were doing... Siskel and Ebert, because you and I have talked offline before. I think Siskel and Ebert were were about the best in terms of reviewing, mm-hmm. because they understood what each individual project was and judged it based on that, mm-hmm. rather than trying to be pretentious about it. Right. And then, and so that's the pretentiousness 
is one side of the review scale. And in today's kind of YouTube era of reviews, the other end of the scale is trying to be funny and irreverent to the point of ridiculousness. Like they're not, they're not saying anything real or accurate about the project Mm -hmm. and they're just trying to be crazy. And so Mike and Rich were neither. They they were themselves. (laughs) They were accurate about what they were saying and, and just telling their genuine truths and they're naturally funny about it. Mm-hmm. And so I started watching more and more of their videos, and they did a spoof of Star Trek's Discovery uh, Season 2, like just the tropes of that season. And I started watching more and more of their stuff, and I forget which thing I sent to you. It was probably another Discovery thing, or maybe mm-hmm. it was one of their half-in-the-bags. And I said, man, these guys are great. Made all the same points I just said. And that's when you told me, these guys are iconic. Yeah, that's why, and I showed you the, yeah, I told you about the Star Wars things, which then you did a deep dive into that, and um, you did a serious deep dive, because then you just started sending me a bunch of links to videos, because like many YouTube accounts, they have a variety of things, they're not just doing one kind of interview, everyone on YouTube now realizes they kind of have to have segments, Um, to put it in like a late night talk show term, they have segments that they do, and so... They're all funny, these red letter media ones. And and you're right, like there are a lot of bad ones, reviews online where people are just, they're trying too hard to be funny. They're not naturally funny. They've learned some of the wrong lessons from uh, people who were snarky, I guess, in their humor. And they they try so hard to be snarky and it's like, it's bad. It's not funny. Um, And they're boring to watch. Whereas red letter media, they're, they're funny and they have... There's an element to it that's sort of reminiscent of of Mystery Science Theater 3000. It, it's almost yeah. in that same vein where it feels like something that was born out of people with their home video cameras making a movie at home or cable access stuff, you know, because I think that's how MSC3K got started was like cable access in their town. And um mm-hmm. Also, like, Red Letter Media is in Milwaukee. I can't remember the state that MST3K started in, but it wasn't Hollywood. You know, these were, Mm -hmm. but these are people who know a lot about movies. And you started finding all the different things that they were doing. And they do some funny, funny things. Like, they'll watch, they'll intentionally watch movies, like, straight-to-video terrible movies. and, Mm -hmm. um, And make fun of them. And there's a popular one recently that had Patton Oswalt on it. And uh, they just do all these gags and bits. They're crazy uh, and in the best yeah. way possible. And uh, they're super funny. And uh, you're in love with them now. You, <laughs> you've been yeah, watching. I haven't. I haven't really actually been watching TV lately. I've just been <laughs> like watching their stuff. Like whether it was best or the worst is what you were just referencing, which is really the true mystery science theater kind of yeah. comparative. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, half in the bag or Plinkett reviews or, or whatever. And it's just I, whenever something comes out, I'm there for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had a similar experience with the Anderton's music page on. <laughs> it's like Anderson, Anderton's is a music store in the UK. And I don't own any instruments. 
but I'm watching all these videos that they post because I just love music like like that. And um, and uh, you know, and I kind of came across it innocently, just like you did. Um, I love YouTube because of that. There's so much variety on there. There's a lot of bad stuff on there, but when you find the good things, there are some gems. And uh, Red Letter Media is definitely up there as one of the gems. It makes me wonder why the other stuff is popular. Yeah, and in <laughs> some cases more gym. popular Yeah. than stuff like Red Letter Media. Well, anyway, check out Red Letter Media, people, if you have not. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's solid. They have a lot of great stuff on there, a lot of fun, funny things that they've put together. The only um, other thing I'll say real quick before we move on is I actually, I because of how I came to Red Letter Media, mm-hmm. I was watching all their videos completely out of order. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't know at first that they were actually out of Milwaukee. I knew that they're half-in-the-bag characters who are VCR repairmen. <laughs> their store was supposed to be in Milwaukee, but I just assumed that was a gag. I mean, they're mm-hmm. so polished that I assumed that they were based here in L.A., mm-hmm. where I am. And so when I saw one of the Plinkett reviews of, I think it was a, it was one of the Star Wars prequels when Plinkett was doing that. And it was the side story. That's one of the things that makes these things great. <laughs> they're they're and, side and stories. Ridiculous in the right way. Is he's not just talking about the movie. They're like, <laughs> the character who's breaking down the movie is like he's a psychopath. <laughs> Yeah, Psychopath, it's... murderer, <laughs> kidnapper. <laughs> and so this lady he kidnapped, he's watching the movie with her. She tricks him and runs out. Mm-hmm. And so it was when she's running out, I said, there's snow on the ground. <laughs> did they actually go do the production value to do that, to show that they're in Milwaukee? Or are they actually in Milwaukee? And so I started like researching these guys on like Wikipedia and stuff. <laughs> And I was like, wow. they actually are in Milwaukee. What is this? <laughs> that's Which, but that's probably why they're actually as good as they are. The fact that they're mm-hmm. not in L.A. Yeah, I can see that. Is, I think, why they're as good as they are. <laughs> um, yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, that makes a lot of sense, actually, because, I, I don't know, I, they don't get... in. It doesn't get muddied or or, or in, they don't get inundated with the sort of uh, glitz and glamour that Hollywood can can provide. Okay, let's talk about the we have the, a new season that's starting, and uh, and it's just here. It's here now, and a lot of new shows coming out as every season. And I was wondering what well, we could talk about. It. I was also wondering what you're most looking forward to with new shows, with returning shows, and if there's any sort of interesting thing coming out that you're not so sure about or wondering how it's going to work out. Will and Grace is going into its final season of its renewal. Is that what they call it? What do they call it nowadays? There's It's revival. Revival. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And so it's going to its final season. A show that I'm looking forward to is Stumptown. Um, it's a show that's going to be on ABC, I do believe. And it's starring Kobe Smolders mm-hmm. of uh, How I Met Your Mother fame. And she's a private investigator. And I've, I've only seen commercials for it while I've been at the gym, which means I didn't hear them. 
But just from the <laughs> these commercials that are on mute, I've been like, oh, I, I, I want to see this show. Jake Johnson is in it as well. Uh, Jake Johnson Michael from Ely. New Girl. Yeah, Michael Ely. So I'm I'm down with uh, seeing Kobe Smolders play a private investigator. It looks like it's going to have some humor in it as well. And uh, that's that's the show I'm looking forward to that's new. Is there anything new that's uh, coming out that you're interested in? I think Stumptown was heading towards that thing I was looking forward to, but I've seen the commercial too much. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like I don't, I don't care anymore. Mm. Uh, you, and it and is I the agree. same commercial. It's not like uh, uh, they they've really shown the same two a bunch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you and I read TV line a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and we like it because it focuses on the content and not the the gossip and drama and all that stuff. And one of the they do a series of questions every week. And so I think it was last week their question was, which commercial for a new show are you tired of seeing or has been oversaturated, however they phrased it. Mm -hmm. And several of the the commenters had the same reaction I did, Mm. which was Stumptown. Like, I've seen that one too damn much. Mm. (laughs) I'm tired of it. And and that's the problem. I mean, it's a good cast, like you said. So it's, and it's a solid premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I was listening to out here in, in Southern California, I listened to NPR, uh, the, the uh, KPCC, and there's a show called The Frame. And they had uh, a writer from The Hollywood Reporter talk about things he's looking forward to. And Stumptown is one of like several shows where he's only seen the pilot. And, and for those who don't know, uh, the reviewers, when they write their reviews, they're only given like the first episode or maybe the first couple, depending on the show. So their reviews are only based on that small sample size. Uh, and so he was basically saying, given all the pilots and the fact that these shows haven't figured themselves out yet, he, mm-hmm. uh, his reviews all sound the same. It's like, I can imagine where this could become a good show, but <laughs> based on what I've seen, eh. mm. Mm, I see and that. then Stumptown was on that list, but, you know, maybe Stumptown will. It took the excitement out of me to see the commercial, like every commercial break. Yeah, now that that can kill it. That really can. Another thing that I know that we're both really excited about is SNL. We're both SNL fans, and the the downside though is that um, Leslie Jones isn't returning. Everyone knows that. That's been out there for a little bit. But they do have a, a good lineup coming up. Uh, the season premieres at the end of September, September 28th. On uh, And it's Woody Harrelson and Billie Eilish. And then after that, it's Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who I was hearing about but didn't know about until Justina, girlfriend of the show. And I started watching Fleabag. And we, we binged that. We saw that whole series well after everyone else had. And uh, it's a great show. And I think I'm really excited about that episode. Uh, she's going to be awesome. Uh, some people don't know she maybe they may not have known she was Lando Calrissian's droid in Solo, mm-hmm. in the Han Solo movie. But that's besides the point. That's just who she is for people who, if they haven't seen Fleabag, maybe they've seen Solo. 
And uh, I yeah, think we, she, we could probably have another episode about Solo and other Star Wars. Yeah, movies. yeah, we <laughs> right. <laughs> we don't have time. <laughs> hey, for real. Uh, I'm sure Red Letter Media has some good stuff on <laughs> Solo. But Phoebe Waller-Bridge, oh, that's, yeah, <laughs> you would know. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, <laughs> that's going to be a great episode. Taylor Swift is a musical guest. Um, that's going to be a very high uh, woman power show. Uh, David Harbour is uh, the third episode with Camila Cabello. Kristen Stewart is the host of the next episode. They don't have a mention of the musical musical guest for November 2nd. So I guess one can only assume that Kristen Stewart is the host and musical guest on November 2nd. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and That's when her Charlie's Angels movie comes out. <laughs> oh, right, right. Right around then. <laughs> And um, this is huge. December 21st, the Christmas episode, hosted, the by, <laughs> hosted by Eddie Murphy. That is huge. I wanted to end on that. That's why I was... <laughs> no, that's going to be amazing. This is something for people in our age group are, are incredibly excited for because we saw him on SNL when we were little kids and we we mm-hmm. were witness to all the excitement swirling around Eddie Murphy in the 80s and um he hasn't the only time he stepped foot on that stage since leaving the show in 1984 was at the 40 year anniversary a few years ago mm-hmm. and he has famously been um not a I don't know, against seems like the wrong word, but just famously he was saying he wasn't going to come back and host. Uh, For years, for well over a decade, he's been saying that publicly. You know, like whenever he would ask, it would come out publicly. He was just like not into it. Um, They even told Chris Rock privately that uh, Eddie just felt that he'd been there, done that. Yeah, he just Uh, wasn't feeling it. He would still have... Yeah, he would still meet and have lunch or dinner or whatever with Lauren Michaels. And right. Yeah, Lauren kept trying to get him. And Lauren was saying he was always nice about it. Eddie was always nice about it, but he just wasn't interested. And um, there are a couple of things on that I'd like to get into. But one thing I do want to say is when that movie Tower Heist was coming out, I believe it was another star of that movie that was going to host, Ben Stiller. There was going to be some sort of surprise appearance by Eddie Murphy but it got out into the press. And so they're like, well, let's just not do it because now it, it ruins that moment. Um, so everyone was mad, and uh, <laughs> I, I included that. But I think part of the reason, like he's also said for a long time, yeah, I'll get back and do stand-up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that since the 90s, and he hasn't done it. And I, I think the reason that he hasn't done stand-up yet was also the thing that was keeping him from SNL for a long time to a certain degree. It's just the pressure that one would feel like he was, he's, he was such, such a rock star of comedy in the eighties. The expectations would be so high for a comedy special and the expectations for SNL would be pretty high too. And I could see him, Having stages in his life of just like, oh, I just don't want to deal with all of that. Yeah, and when when he was on Inside the Actors Studio a few years ago, he also said that what has kept him from getting back into it is how hard 
stand-up is, to, to be mm-hmm. able to get your material together and, and work on the, the set and really get it to where it needs to be. Because right mm-hmm. now, he doesn't have material. Right. And so he'd, he'd be starting from scratch. And so he was just like, ah, <laughs> that's too hard. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Maybe he's in that mindset to get over that hurdle. Yeah. I hope that Leslie Jones will be back in the guest opinion. I'd love to see her on stage with him. Uh, I'm sad that she's leaving um, because I've loved her on the show, but it is a part of the show is that people will leave. And, it, you know, not everybody's Keenan Thompson and can stay there for, for so many years. It's Yeah, it's, I think the, yeah. the main negative is that she didn't get the send-off yeah. that they usually get. yeah. That was my thing. I I think she deserves a nice send off. Um, the uh, people in the press have been good and and posted like her best bits and stuff like that and best sketches. So I'm I'm glad she's getting that attention. But I do wish, um, I wish they did best of still. Does anyone remember those? <laughs> no, they would do those best ofs of SNL hosts or SNL cast members. And uh, they stopped doing it several years ago, but um, they had like a best of Chris Farley and and Tom Hanks and Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy. And they don't do that anymore. And I think she's someone who, if they still did that sort of thing, she'd be a great person to do a best of. Um, Who's the last one they did it for? I know Will Ferrell's got three. Yeah, which is crazy. Will Ferrell might technically be the last one because the third one probably came last. Um, the, there was a, there's a Jimmy Fallon one and there's a David Spade one that came out in those later years of them doing that at all. So I think it's the David Spade one. Um, they don't, they don't have Tracy Morgan or do they? I don't know. They might actually, but he might've missed that cutoff of when they stopped doing it. I think they have Tim Meadows. I feel like they do as well, yeah. But that was before they did Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. So I don't, but you know. They don't have Kristen Wiig. No, they don't have anyone from like that kind of era. I don't think they have Tina Fey or Amy Poehler or anybody. I, I, I maybe mean, they, it's, they, I don't know if maybe anyone they felt they needed to go away from that for a little bit before they come back to it. I don't know. I wonder if just like the way uh, online viewership has just changed things or I don't know. There's also a lot of I don't know. I don't know. I think I'd love it if they brought it back. I want a Kristen Wiig one. I want an Amy Poehler one. Um, uh, Keenan Keenan needs one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tina Fey. I mean, they're, I, I want these. I want a Maya Rudolph one. They probably won't do one for Keenan until he's actually gone. That's true, yeah, but I just now. mean, like, when they have... Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, apparently, he actually signed the 40-year contract that Tim Meadows sang about. <laughs> was that the number that he said in that... that yeah, that uh, was the year. Yeah. <laughs> Why did that I sign a 40-year contract? <laughs> That's such a long That's time. such a long time. <laughs> I see that now. <laughs> <laughs> And it was hilarious then because it seemed like, oh, he's been on the show for forever. And now he's like mm-hmm. not even top three or top four. 
for longest. Yeah, because Daryl Hammond, Keenan are both ahead of him. Seth Myers is third. Seth Myers was really? second until Keenan, yeah. Because he was there like twelve years, Seth Myers. Mm. And so when Keenan um I think he found out that he was no longer gonna be in second place when um Keenan tied him. Because he said something like, Yeah, it'll be a little bit, I think, before someone right now, like I've been there I was there twelve years and someone was like, Well Keenan's been there twelve. <laughs> he was like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so that's SNL. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Are, do you have any predictions of who else might host? I'm really bad at that because there's so much content out there yeah, and so many great names mm-hmm. that, that it's hard. I mean, they're going to be, you know, people like, um, Kristen Bell, mm-hmm. uh, hasn't done it <laughs> and she's She'd on be an good. NBC show. She'd be she'd good. Be and she, I think, um, I could see her on on the list in in some capacity, and I would, I, I, I'd be surprised if she never did. But there are people who never did that you'd be surprised, you know. Like Adam mm-hmm. Sandler never hosted until this past season, so mm-hmm. you know, there's that. And then, um, um, there's sometimes people throw out names, and I'm like, that's never going to happen <laughs> because there's a certain I don't know a thing that um, that that some of the people that they get have, and there's certain people who definitely don't have that, and they they never get asked. But um, I, so I made a bunch of guesses. Eddie Murphy, I think, was the only one that I got right so far. I, if I had already seen Fleabag, I would have probably had her on my radar. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was kind of wondering if Zachary Levi was going to get it because of Shazam, but Shazam also got him hosting the VMAs this summer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it kind of, I think, somewhat put him on the map for that or on the radar for that. However, Shazam wasn't for him what Wonder Woman was for Gal Gadot or um, Guardians of the Galaxy was for Chris Pratt. Um, right. So he he doesn't quite have that going for him like those movies did, but I, it might be cool if he hosted. Yeah. Um, and then the other people were just like it was kind of wishful thinking. It was like Tom Holland or Zendaya, but like that's I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> um, let's see. Speaking uh, of Tom uh, Holland, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want to discuss Spider Man in the MCU? Well, I was wondering if it's been done too much because we've, you know, it's been a few weeks now. Um, but yeah, let's mention it real quick before we get back into talking about the upcoming season um, and prep the last topic. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm I'm kind of on the wait and see. This is a time when fans being outraged should change something, you know, like if it shouldn't change anything, I don't think, with the Sonic movie. But if it looked like no one was going to go see it because they didn't like the design, I guess maybe it makes sense to give it a go. But here's a situation where people are definitely way more upset. And there is more at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you know, I know people are saying it's both, both sides' fault. 
you know, trying to, it's amazing that they had as many movies as they did with this um, connection, with the, this this deal, because they couldn't even, they couldn't even figure, Amblem couldn't even figure out a, a deal to get a Who Framed Roger Rabbit 2 because of how difficult it was to get Disney and Warner Brothers to work with each other. Um, so it's pretty amazing that they were able to, to get Spider-Man as long as they had him. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think and this is one of those things that makes me hate the way social media works. There are a bunch of people who are just saying like, well, uh, you know, Tom Holland got fired from Spider-Man. That didn't happen. Nobody even said that. Why do you think he got fired? No mm-hmm. one's saying he's not Spider-Man. It's just that character's just not going to be in the MCU now. But mm-hmm. still, he's still under contract. <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And that became the discussion online. And it's just one of those things where it's like, well, can't you just get facts straight if you're going to talk about this? And if someone doesn't have the facts straight, I really wish these people who write articles don't share the tweets that are factually inaccurate. It's right. like, I don't care about what people have wrong. <laughs> like I don't, I don't care about an opinion where the facts aren't right. Mm-hmm. Like that, that doesn't tell me anything. So yeah. I'm kind of just waiting to see what's going to happen. See if they get their heads out of their asses because I I am not inter- I did not see Venom because it didn't look good and I heard that it's not good. And so I don't have a lot of faith that Sony would be able to make a good sequel to these two movies. And yeah, I don't know how the- they'd be able to. Yeah, you look at it, they screwed up virtually every franchise they've had control of. Yeah. They screwed up the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man mm-hmm. when when they forced more toy merchandise characters into the third Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. that forced a reboot. And then they screwed up the Andrew Garfield movies from jump by fo- focusing too much on universe building and not enough about storytelling. Because mm-hmm. uh, basically anybody not named Marvel learned the wrong lessons <laughs> from Marvel's universe. And so they didn't understand how to build a universe. Mm-hmm. Um and and you look at whatever you think about the different Ghostbuster movies, they still approached it in a way that that um, uh, that caused fans to be in an uproar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Men in Black franchise kind of got screwed up a little bit. Even if they... the international was good, they still did something that that made it not resonate. Yeah, and they wanted to do a 21 Jump Street Men in Black crossover, which made no sense. I just don't know the what The explanation I heard for that, it depends on execution, because <clears throat> the explanation I heard on that, the first 21 Jump Street made fun of reboots. The mm-hmm. second 21 Jump Street made fun of sequels. Mm-hmm. And so the crossover was going to be making fun of crossovers. Ah, okay. So if they executed it right, I think that could have been good. Yeah. But, but that's the, the two movies that came out, that's one of the few examples of Sony actually doing something good. Yeah, okay. Um, then that's, that, that does sound better. Yeah. 
but then it didn't happen. But Bond, yeah, <laughs> but Bond Bond is basically the only property that they consistently did well on their own. And Everything even a lot of people say the last two are kind of, especially the last one. They, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't like those. Mm-hmm. So it's and then yeah. Yeah, and you look at the fact that the Spider-Man movie that actually is their highest grossing movie of all time for Sony, it was because it was part of the MCU. <laughs> and because it's the, it's, it's the characters dealing with everything that happened after Infinity War and Endgame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't have that, you don't have a billion dollar movie. Yeah. Um, but, and you and I talked about this offline, it's unclear to me who's really at fault. Like you said, people are saying yeah. online is both sides, but if it's what it kind of looks like it could be, which is that Disney flexed and said our way or the highway, then Sony could actually be making a good financial decision, the right financial decision, because allegedly Sony sent several counter proposals to the 50-50 split idea to which Disney balked it all. Mm. So you're telling me there's no other compromise other than 50-50 that's amenable? Really? But because of everything you said about fan outrage, Disney still has the leverage. (laughs) So, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I'm hoping that something gets figured out because... A, a third Spider-Man movie that doesn't at all address Iron Man, because would they even be able to, um, mm-hmm. would be, I don't how do you, how do you follow it? How do you follow these story beats? Yeah. I mean, it ended on a cliffhanger. Right. Where, where his spoiler alert, Peter's secret identity is released to everybody by J Jonah Jameson. But the villain who did that has ties to Iron Man. So you're just going to retcon all of that, or are you going to ignore this this cliffhanger, or what are you going to do? Like that, they, they don't really. Yes, they have Tom Holland. Yes, they have John Watts. Yes, they have a universe that was built up pretty well, except that they can't address the universe. So does Sony really have a movie they can do if they don't have the MCU attached? And if they without rebooting again, right, right. And if they just do a movie with Tom Holland that just doesn't really address any of that stuff at all, isn't that just going to be a weird movie in oh, the yeah. in the context of the the films that they they already released? Like I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, something good will happen with that. Um, so let's hop back into talking about this upcoming season. One huge thing that's going on on the CW of all places is a big crossover amongst all of their, apparently it really is going to be all of their superhero shows. Um, and I say, say it like that because before the arrow legends of tomorrow, flash, Supergirl, all considered in the same universe, but there's a another show on that network. That's a superhero show. It's black lightning. And that one was never considered a part of the universe that those other four shows were, but apparently it was announced this summer. Black lightning will be involved in that crossover, which is great. And uh, I'm very excited about, I hope they do that. Well, 
Um, and there's going to be one of the new shows coming out is a Batwoman show. And that's going to be a part of the big crossover. And they're doing for comic book nerds, you know, about Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's what they're doing. And they're, it's going to be pretty epic, it looks like. And I'm very excited about that. That's one of the things I'm most looking forward to. We're going to talk at length about that in a future episode. But um, something that came out this week was a story, or, or recently, was a story about Iris West, the, the actress who plays Iris West on The Flash. Uh, she's a, if you don't know, she's a black woman. If you don't watch the show, she's an African American woman. And um, up to this season, she's always had straight hair in the show. But the actress revealed that and celebrated on her social media that she's going to have her natural curls in the show um, a good bit this season. And the showrunner, who's also black, was saying that, um, you know, it's it's going to come up and there's going to be a story element to it. And it sparked this conversation with me and Trey about why it took six years for that to happen. Because <laughs> this isn't the second season of the show. She's gone several seasons with straight hair and she wanted to do her natural curls sooner but it wasn't until now that she was actually able to. And so why don't you pose the question that you posed when we were talking about this? Basically, I'm asking why. <laughs> why in the world would they not let her uh, wear her hair? Like, what is the behind-the-scenes stuff that, that goes on? And, and I listed other examples of where something like this happened. Uh, I'm a big fan of the West Wing, and I, I listened to the DVD commentary. And I know that Aaron Sorkin said that they didn't get network notes about the story. <laughs> they didn't get network notes about the arc of the characters or anything like that. They were getting questions about why is Mandy's hair like this in season mm -hmm. one. And uh, with Mariska Hargitay, I, I'm trying to remember which season it was. I think it was season nine, where it came out that there was all this her working with the network for that particular hairdo that she did. It was this kind of pixie mm -hmm, cut, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that she did. And, and so it seems like this common thing that as outsiders to Hollywood, you and I aren't privy to, but this thing that inside Hollywood is common where there's this, uh, I don't know if it's network studio producers, whatever they are, saying, here's how you, actress, are supposed to look. And, and somehow with, with Candace Patton, uh, the actress who plays Iris, that affected her ability to actually wear her hair naturally as a black woman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, would, would viewers actually say or think anything different <laughs> <laughs> if she wore her natural curls instead of having to straighten her hair just because that's what the show made her do. Right. So there are a couple of things that jump out at me with this. One, the lesser important one, is that I understand with networks, they they do give a lot of dumb notes. Trey and I have talked about that for years, um, about how stupid some of the notes networks give. And sometimes there's maybe a reason for the notes because they're 
essentially every network is a brand and they want all of their shows to feel like they're a part of that brand. Hairstyles don't really affect that so much. So that's not really an argument here. I th- for me, the showrunner, I don't know how long the, the showrunner of The Flash has been there, um, but he hasn't been there since the beginning. He's black, and he's it's under his watch that this is happening. So I can... I don't want to be one of those internet commenters who doesn't have the facts. Um, Obviously, there is a possibility that the reason it's now happening is because there's a black showrunner who actually cares (laughs) um, about how a black woman may feel about how she's presented. Um, But we, you know, another thing that makes me bring race into this is that she's, Candace Patton has dealt with a lot of racism. Because in the comic books, that character is white. And a lot of, apparently a lot of uh, nerds who read comic books are, like, offended at the notion of Iris West being played by someone other than a white woman. And they've given her a lot of hell online. And then people gave the actor who plays The Flash, Grant Gustin, hell for not defending her more uh, online. Um, That's another another topic, but... I just, I can't say it with any certainty, but I just have a feeling that the reason she had to have straight hair was to kind of placate some of these dumb people who have a hard time with a a black woman playing a character that was white in the comics. As stupid as that is, I, I just would be willing to bet like, oh, we want you to look a little more like this white lady. I just, I don't know. That's just, that's how this comes, that's how it (laughs) starts to sound when you start putting some of these dots together. Yeah, you know, it's hard, hard to guess all of the behind the scenes stuff, Mm -hmm. to your point. Um, But it does seem, based on the article that, that we read, again, this was a TV line article where we read, uh, that, that she's getting to do her, her curly hair. Mm-hmm. And based on the quotes, both from her and, and describing how she was able to do it and talking to the new co- uh, the new showrunner, who, as you mentioned, is black, it does seem like, at the very least, his okaying it is because he gets it maybe a little more right. than his predecessors did. Um, but... You know, I don't know. I mean, it's the same thing. We talk uh, somewhat similar, but but no racial element to it. You look at the wardrobe that, that we've complained about. Because here's Iris. We're over on Arrow. We've got Felicity wearing these fancy outfits and high heels <laughs> while they're trying to run around <laughs> right. in the little bunker doing stuff. And it's like, no, they'd be wearing, like, jeans. or and, and, <laughs> Something that would allow them... Scissors. To yeah, rush around. Yeah, and and so it's stuff that's about the aesthetic mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And they they go these shows are going a little too far on the aesthetic and not enough on the makes sense. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of shows and movies that balance the two. Yeah, uh, but but it seems like this stuff, like when you when you get taken out of the scene because they're stumbling around in their heels. 
<laughs> you probably went the wrong way with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes they have Felicity in like a tight skirt and these high heels, and she's like, she looks like she is struggling to r- rush from one spot in the bunker and on Arrow uh, to her computer. And it's like, well, why is that? Why is that necessary? Where was the, just? You sometimes have to think as as an actor. That's this is what actors do when they break down a script so they can play the role well is they'll say okay where was my character just before this scene and uh, what are the other things that happened before that that would come up during this scene like would put them in a a particular headspace Mm -hmm. so why would the director or the fashion the costume people not the fashion people why would they not be thinking well okay in this moment, um, they knew they were going to be going down to the bunker to work on a mission. So would she really put on the heels and the skirt and like she's going out on a hot date? Or is it more likely <laughs> that she would wear something sensible for the occasion? And I understand that some of it is fan service, right? Like I'm sure there are a bunch of young women who are watching Arrow and saying, I love the way Felicity looks. It, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like a power thing. Okay, great. But story-wise, it doesn't make sense. And you still have to make sense out of it story-wise. If you yeah, want to make it look great, a, fine. There's a, and there's a way to still show her in fancy dress and heels. Yeah. Because she was working at, uh, first it was Queen Consolidated, and Mm -hmm, then it was mm -hmm. Palmer Tech, and she was running Palmer Tech, and then she started her own company. So in those settings, yeah, she'd wear the power suit or the the whatever. But in the bunker, (laughs) she should be dressed differently. Just like Iris, like when she's out covering a story, she might be dressed one way or, or going to a fancy dinner because she's covering the, the mm-hmm. event dressed one way. But in the in Star Labs, she should be a little bit more appropriate to the setting. Right. And I mean, what's going on. And I, I know I get you. Know, we're two men talking about women's fashion here on, on these shows. And I, I'm sure someone could say, like, yeah, why are you talking about it? You're not women. But I'm just looking at real life and i in new york there are people who are wearing women who are wearing heels in the office for certain situations they're walking around the city in tennis shoes or something that's easier to walk around in because they have to do a lot of walking so they bring two pairs of shoes to work you know like that's not uncommon so Mm -hmm. show put some thought into it and show that these characters put that same thought into it and and said, like, I'm going to, since I know I'm going to be working later, I'm going to, I'm going to put some shoes on that I can run in mm-hmm. if need be. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, or maybe she's know. got a, a go bag or something, right. some other clothes at the bunker. Whatever. Right. Like, just that sort of attention to detail is something that MCU was really great about. Like, small little details. Uh, things in the background that weren't the main point in the scene. Uh, like, for instance... Uh, Tony Stark uh, kind of holding his left arm a certain way. That's like going back to the first movie, the first Iron Man movie. 
an injury he got in that. Like that sort of attention to detail is there in all of the movies that that character's in. That's the sort of stuff I want to see. So I like yeah, have a little go bag next to your desk, um, and mm-hmm. just I see that out of no, you know on the side out of the out of the corner to show mm-hmm. okay these people are real people who are thinking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been watching a lot of the original Star Trek lately, mm. and they do a lot of that stuff because uh, I you know I, to get to Discovery I've got CBS All Access and they also have the original series on there and. You know, they do a lot of those story elements. And and I thought about it more because, again, watching the Red Letter Media guys and how mm-hmm. they break down the Star Trek stuff, uh, particularly the Abrams stuff, they, the Abrams, they don't necessarily make it like a realistic ship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a fun action movie kind of stuff. But you look at the little subtle things they do in the original series where they get into a turbo lift and it actually takes how long it's supposed to take to get from point A to point B instead of being like snap of a finger. Mm-hmm. But they, they are able to do it in a way where they're moving the plot forward and they have little conversation and they do little character moments, yeah. things that didn't, didn't move the plot forward, but it still tells you about the character. Um, and there, you know, the, the great shows do that. Uh, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad uh, do a lot of that kind of stuff. Things that just give you a little bit uh, about the character, and and I think the Flash is one of the better shows, where maybe it's not even in the script; it's just how the actors interact with each other, but how they kind of will glance at each other or react or do their background acting, mm-hmm. so that they're giving you more about the character uh, with, without being unrealistic and just focused on the action. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. I, that's the stuff that I want to see, and and um, I still want to see. I'm not, I'm not trying to knock the shows and say like ah, I don't want to see them this year. Um, Felicity's barely, if at all, going to be in Arrow because it's its final season. So yeah, she uh, officially she's not in it. If if she's in it, it sounds like it's probably going to be a surprise or a late announcement. Or interesting. Something. Interesting. Yeah, but, uh, I wonder how they're going to do that. Kind of related to Iris's hair is Supergirl's pants. Mm-hmm. She's got pants now, and apparently Melissa Benoist has been lobbying for pants for a few seasons because they shoot in Vancouver. Yeah, and wearing a skirt and tights is like, hey, it's a little cold here. It, that explains every set photo I've seen of <laughs> Melissa Benoist <laughs> because she's always like bundled up and and looks cold <laughs> and like she's mm-hmm. shivering. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um it's uh it's going to be an interesting season. You know, they're going to be building up a lot to that crossover uh starting with the first episodes of uh, of the shows. So very excited what's going to come of that. We're going to talk more at length when we get close to that CW crossover. Uh I know a couple of listeners get into that show so or, and and those those the all the shows uh, the fleroverse or aeroverse or what have you and uh so i hope you're excited i hope you check those out that episode out we'll do another pop talk then when that comes and that'll be towards the end of the year because the crossover is uh is happening in december is that in december and a little bit of january is that how it's working out yeah, yes, yeah. three episodes at the end of December and two to start January. Yeah, so we will we will come back 
to this topic then. But we'll end this topic now. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast again, Trey. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed listening to two nerds nerd out on nerdy things. We're going to do it again because we like nerding out. And also people responded well to it when we did these episodes before. And I just really love doing them. So in between recording the intro to this episode and recording this, I found out some really good news. Something that I auditioned for, I booked, and um, it's not a huge thing, or, but it is kind of huge. It's like it's a really good stepping stone. I don't know how much I can say. Okay, it's not a big, big thing, the, the role that I got. But it's like, a. Uh, let me just talk about it next week when I find out that I can talk about it. But I'm just like beside myself with happiness about this. Okay, all right. Uh, end of the show stuff. Last week's guest, Cody Lindquist, is going to be doing her podcast with her husband, Two Beers In, that she talked about last week. Tomorrow night, she's doing that at UCB Hell's Kitchen. Link in bio for you to get tickets. Check that show out if you can. I can't go because I'm going to be performing as I do every Wednesday at the Magnet Theater with my house team, Sweetheart. So go see her tomorrow and then go see us uh, forever after that at the Magnet every Wednesday. <laughs> also, newsletter, subscribe to it, link in bio, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at There It Is Pod. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. Jason Farr.